You brought a book. I, yeah, I'm a little old child. <laughs> brought a book. What's the book? Oh, it's a journal of all the things that I've been thinking about and, and observing. So I, I'm, I'm taking notes all day long. I, I feel like you're the world's librarian, and I owe you a debt of gratitude because I use your tools that you've built uh, at least weekly as a reporter. I'm, I'm wondering, before you were building the new uh, Alexandria, um, what drew you into tech? Um, I've always been a geek. And the question was, was, what can you do as being a geek that's good? And I could only come up with two things back in 1980. One was protecting people's privacy because they were going to throw it away if they had the opportunity. Uh, and the other was to try to build the library of everything, to build that global brain that has been promised. And so pretty much I, I tried to do the first, but I couldn't get that to be cheap enough to help everyday people. Um, so I went to plan B. And I've just been absolutely maniacal for the last, well, decades. Does privacy exist today? Does privacy exist today? Yeah, I hope so. Um, and this idea of, you know, get over it um, is not the way to go. I mean, it, it, we will act differently if we think we're being watched all the time. Um, so that uh, we will act always pleasant. We will try to always act like our Facebook status. And that is a plight that we cannot uh, live with long. It won't come up with, with good results. So no, privacy, we have to go and make it work. Um, so that, that introduction, you're one of the internet OG. You literally helped create the web, and um, yes. you're the force behind the Internet Archive. You founded Internet Archive, which includes a Wayback Machine. Um, but before that, you ran a for-profit company and sold right. it to Amazon. It's the original Alexa, yes. um, which tells the world which websites are getting traction, as far as I know, and is... Um, I'm curious, looking back, uh, what was the best thing about running a for-profit business? Oh, uh, the for-profit businesses are great because it's like pouring gasoline on a problem, right? And, and, and everybody sort of knows what they're supposed to do. And they're, you know, basically capitalism is great for building robots, right? They're the useful idiots. And you just sort of, -do 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 -do, and they all go off and do it. Um, so I did uh, uh, one of the first search engines, tried to get publishing on the internet. And that was sort of a simple enough model that you can kind of have Silicon Valley kind of do its thing. Um, so that, that was all around good. Um, the problem is they don't last very long. So I built one uh, uh, that was sold to AOL um, when before they kind of went advertising oriented, which was a disaster. Um, then uh, I built another one, uh, sold it to, uh, to Amazon.com. Um, and I, it really gave me kind of an idea of how does business work and think and how does it, uh, what is it good for? Um, but the Internet Archive had to be nonprofit, and it was always building towards that, and it always had to be nonprofit because it had to serve the public good. Did it had to have people's trust. Did you have an aha moment for the Internet Archive, or was it a, an idea that developed over time? Um, well, we tried to make the, uh, the Internet and the web be completely decentralized, no central points of control. And then I went and saw Alta Vista. You may not remember it, but it was the first real big search engine. And I went and visited it uh, down in Palo Alto. And it, was the, and it was like, okay, I got to visit Alta Vista. And she was two basically um, uh, Coke machine size machines that had collected the 30 million pages that were the World Wide Web at that time. It's like, wow, you can re-centralize this stuff. And you can do things because you re-centralize it. Um, to go and provide added services, like really good search. And that was kind of a, wow, maybe we should go and do this. The other thing was the web had come along, and the web 
you know, for all its great things, is kind of flaky. Um, and, and even just the infrastructure of it is kind of flaky. The average life of a web page is 100 days. It, it just it, it falls apart constantly. So you have to go and build in these other things. So that was the uh, sort of the, okay, let's, let's do this. We tried working with AltaVista, but they wouldn't do it. So we had to build it on our own. You were saying it had to be a nonprofit. How do you sustain it today? Donations, volunteers? About half of our income comes from earned income, from libraries paying us to digitize books and collect web pages for them. And then there's the, the rest is foundations. Uh, and the end of the year begathon, right? Sort of the, the Wikipedia kind of help, help, right? Kind of thing, uh, the NPR model. Um, and thank you very much for contributing to us. Uh, we, we, we really appreciate it. We're now up to almost 100,000 people contributing, often just three bucks, five bucks uh, to the Internet Archive. And I have to say, it's not only the money, which is awesome, um, but it's also knowing that people care enough, right? Out of the sea of websites, um, people actually care enough to go and contribute something uh, and fight their way through the PayPal's or whatever it is, uh, Bitcoin donation system to try to get uh, money in. I write about business and tech, and I've noticed some companies seem to be evading, you know, this kind of recording, turning their pages into on-demand um, archived records you can check to see what they promised customers and how they used to market their products. Uh, what evasive measures do you see companies taking um, to avoid scrutiny, to avoid being recorded these days? Um, actually, so far on the web, it's going pretty well in terms of going and archiving the web. The platforms make it really difficult. Um, so the Facebooks, the YouTubes, they try, they're kind of their own eco-verse within themselves, and they don't like being archived, which is kind of a problem. Um, so Google Plus is just going down, I think maybe today, um, which was a major social network. But sorry, sorry guys, we're over, and uh, everybody's stuff is gone. Um, and it's great. Flickr um, uh, has changed hands a couple times, and it's all sort of a little uh, iffy. The web is it going okay. App world, now that is a problem. App world is sort of really segmented, siloed. Um, um, I'm not quite sure how we're going to uh, deal with, with app world yet. Is there anything that's not worth saving online? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears> there <throat> were personal details about that. Uh, um, yes, there's a lot. I, we, we basically want to uh, make sure that people don't feel like they're being surveilled. And that's another reason to be a nonprofit. Um, that we have to basically come up with balances, and we can't be ad driven. We have to be um, oriented towards the public good. And um, if, if people think that the Internet Archive is creepy, then they will shut us down. If they feel like they're basically being taken advantage of, they will shut us down. They'll find some way to do that. So we have to stay way back from that line. Be useful, but not creepy. Wouldn't that be a great line to draw? Let's go and make apps that aren't creepy, right? And, and, and my, my son said, all cool apps are kind of creepy. And I, that even goes for my wife's new Tesla, Model 3, which is kind of awesome, but it's like driving a phone. It is it's always being tied back. I mean, somebody knows where we are at all times. It's a little creepy. So I think we should go and strive for something a little bit better out of this internet than what it is we've built. Can I ask what do you see as the greatest threats to information access and to the distribution of good information today? Um, I think there's a, there's a pile of problems, right? We saw this train wreck of a, of, of a, a presidential election cycle this last time around, with, whether it's fake news, distortions, people uh, being in bubbles, whatever. And we have um, these 
people seem to be perfectly happy with just lying, just straight out lying. And uh, that is not good enough. We can't really respond to that. Uh, so we're starting to just try to bring accountability to it by archiving all of television and allowing people to go and see the bias between the channels. And boy, there are there biases between the channels, especially the one you're thinking of. And uh, it's um, so we at least could go and look at that. But then how do we go and raise that up so that people can break out of their bubbles? I'd say the answer to bad speech is more context. Can we make it so that people can understand what it is they're looking at? And when we're starting to get down to things on phones that are flipping by, we don't have a lot of space. Back in the old days, a newspaper was this big. But now we're talking about this big, or we're talking about it talking to us. And that doesn't give us a lot of opportunity to see the information around it. So I would say the best thing we could do is try to build information around what's going on to help people understand what they're actually looking at, what the biases that are in uh, the services. Let's make Wikipedia actually work better. How do we go and uh, make it so that Wikipedia really isn't going to have its reputation smunched by having somebody robotically go and put some systematic uh, bias in it? Can we go and do that? Can we make it so that you can find the deeper information um, that is going on? And copyright has been a huge problem. Basically, the 20th century is not available to this generation. Um, because of long-term copyright problems. So we have to go and digitize the materials and weave it into whatever platforms people are using. Wikipedia is a lot easier than Facebook, but really Facebook's the gold standard. So we're going to have to go and try to figure out how to go and augment and make a better web. Um, we've turned to the web as the library, but it's betraying us. And we're going to have to fix it. And frankly, the Bay Area is the perfect place to do it. But we better get on our game because things are going very wrong. And if it's going wrong here in our presidential elections, um, think of what's going on in other countries. Um, that, and how do we go and respond to this? Do you have a counterpart in other countries? Anyone else who's archiving? Uh... No. There, there's some national libraries. There's some universities doing some of these sorts of things. There are a lot of people that are doing uh, systematic um, research on bias. Uh, and trying to go and respond to that. So, um, but we're still pretty unique, which is a little frightening. Uh, it's kind of awesome, right? Oh gosh, aren't we terrific? But it's a little frightening to be this unique. We have other copies in other countries, um, but, but the whole organization structure is really sort of born out of the Silicon Valley um, idea of being able to scale to the whole darn thing. If you're gonna give some advice to these platforms that are <clears throat> possibly not just part of the problem, but creating the problem. Uh, what would yeah, you advise to a Google, a Facebook? I would say the, a, a couple key things. One is get over the ad model. Diversify. And that's not just doing enterprise services, whatever, crud, crud, crud. But go and go and make uh, systems that actually have royalty models that work, uh, that you can actually go and fund upstream things like news organizations from the people that are capturing most of the income that's going on out there, which is the people that are controlling the, the, the pixels on your screen. That those people, the, or even it's the AT&Ts and Comcast, they're basically sucking uh, the whole life out of the whole rest of the system, and they're going and keeping the money. Or Amazon. You know, why is their stock so high? It's kind of awesome for me, because I have some of it, um, but um, it's because they control so much. So that's one. Another is let's get to the people that are in these companies. A lot of these companies are really run by the engineers, the people that work in them. I think we need to regroove a generation. I think we've gone too far towards the what it means to be um, successful is I want to be Mark Zuckerberg. 
And you know, there's only one Mark Zuckerberg. That's not a game you win. Um, so how do we go and make it so that there's a broader idea of what success is? And I would say regrooving a generation, make it a little more um, interested in the social good. They're, they've got 20% of their, of their time to go and work on these things. Let's go and find ways to get people that have .com at their end of their email address to come into these cycles that are more uh, social good. San Francisco's always been good at a balance. Um, we, we've tended to be better at that than, say, New York or LA. Um, let's do our jobs in trying to bring that balance in a place that's really swung way too far towards .com. I would love to give the audience some time, so I'm giving you guys a heads up. <clears throat> Excuse me, start jotting down some questions. We'll, we'll break off a few minutes. What, what advice do you have to funders who are trying to evaluate the best place okay. to have impact? So I, I, I won the lottery, right? I, I, I think of it that way in terms of uh, selling an internet company. Um, and so I was able to help fund uh, the Internet Archive as it started. So I'm sort of on both sides of it. I can keep the lights on, but I understand what it's like to be on both sides of the, um, uh, of the table. And frankly, I'm available to you. So if you're trying to figure it out from either side of the table, um, the Internet Archive, I, myself, I'm available. Um, one of the things that's really sticking um, funders is how to fund things. So the, even if you just take the billionaire pledge guys, um, almost all guys, um, is uh, they've pledged to give away half of their uh, money by the time they die, but they're only like 1% into it, and they're getting freaking old. Basically, people can't figure out how to give money. So if, even if you ended up with, you know, some, uh, you know, you have 5 million, 10 million, and you want to do philanthropic stuff, how do you give money away is really challenging. But let me suggest a, uh, a threshold. 5% of your total uh, net worth should be given away every year for the rest of your life. And if you do that, it causes all sorts of really hard questions, right? That's tithing, basically. But you get to choose where you tithe. Um, 5% of your net worth every year. And it is challenging to find things that you want to invest that kind of money in for some of us. Um, I've chosen to go and put it into something I'm spending my time on. And it was always part of the same idea for me. It was, a, it was never very distinct, so it's not like I made money over here and putting it in, in, in here. It's, um, so that, I'd say, is a way of doing it. It's put, put your money where you're putting your time, understand it, otherwise you'll start to distrust your own guidance. It's not like um, uh, VCs where you can kind of say, oh, it cashed out, therefore I'm a winner, or I, I was awesome in my decision making. It's much more complicated in the .org space of what does winning mean? Um, so getting involved, spend your time where you're spending your money, and try to spend 5%. It's not easy for those that have gotten some of the outside uh, stock things. You know, you go and say, gosh, that, I wish that were my problem. But if it's not your problem, if you're on the other side uh, of the table, work with some funders, especially early on, to try to build trust um, and have them uh, on board as you go through the weaving of what it is, you, what, what you're trying to do. It took us quite a while for people to even think that an internet archive or archiving the internet, archiving the web, or digitizing all books and making it publicly available um, was a worthwhile thing at all. It was uh, really there was time in the wilderness, uh, and it helps to have a long-term uh, vision. And keep, uh, if you're on the other side, if you're on the nonprofit side, keep your cost of living under control, right? Try not to fly around too much. 
Um, try not to take Lyft all that often. Never buy coffee in a store. Um, and uh, so in, in, in terms of in a cup, right? $3, in, anyway, don't do it. Um, so, so, and basically live a frugal life because if you're living a frugal life, if you're a funder going and dropping in on somebody, you're gonna look to see whether that's, you know, an Arion expensive chair or, you know, kind of whatever chair. Um, the, that's gonna make an impact on, um, uh, on funders, or at least it does on me, um, to go and figure out where is the money gonna be spent well? So I think we should all keep our standard of living kind of under control, which is hard in the Bay Area, um, which is another problem. What do you think the web should look like? How should it function? I think the, I, the, the Memex, the Ted Nelson's ideal of a hypertext link thing, Tim Berners-Lee, the semantic web, I, I was always shooting for the global brain, that we had an opportunity to mix people, a network, and keep them connected, and then compute and content repositories. The, 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 the three of those, we could build something freaking awesome. And frankly, we have. I mean, we, we could really kick ourselves, but it's a lot better than it was 20 years ago in terms of finding information and the like. But we have to continue going further. I would like to see a decentralized web. I would like to go and see it so that websites aren't as in control of what it is we see as it is now. Let's put some more power in the user's hands. Decentralized web means having um, websites that live everywhere and nowhere. Think of it as a BitTorrent backend for the web. So it's kind of a, a way that you can go and get it from anywhere. Also, it gets you around firewalls. Internet Archive is completely blocked in China, sometimes blocked in India, um, sometimes blocked in Russia. Um, so how do we go and make it so that these resources find their way to people in a decentralized way so you're not as controlled um, by, even by me, right? You might say, oh, he's awesome, but why should I run this? Um, so how do we go and build systems that have innate decentralization in their structure? That was the origin of the internet. The web was much more sort of centralized. One website lived in one place. It was controlled by one uh, organization. And now we have platforms that can turn off whole communities. This doesn't make any sense. And we're the ones to fix it. We're in the Bay Area. We know these people. We are those people. Let's fix it. Uh, the web is betraying us. Um, and if we don't do something about it, people will look back on this as a very bad time. Uh, Snowden's warnings about authoritarianism, cap capabilities based on large-scale surveillance, are in action. Uh, and now we have this sort of uh, state-sponsored fake news and hacking. This stuff requires a very different kind of response than companies that are going to have to bow to the interests of large-scale states if they're going to stay uh, relevant. But we don't have to. We've got .orgs at the end of our email addresses. Let's act that way. Can we take some audience questions? <clears throat> Sorry. And, um, can we get a, okay. Thanks. Hello, my name is Miles Lassiter. Um, thank you for your inspiring words. I had a two-part question. So you touched on the first a little bit around privacy and surveillance and wanting not to be creepy. I'm curious if you could speak more specifically and at further length about the right to be forgotten for an individual and whether someone's individual uh, blog or something would be archived and therefore could never be removed. And number right. two is about integrity of the Internet Archive, I'm really curious to know more about your approach and thinking around keeping it so it can't be changed. Good. Um, 
So they're both actually kind of a little contradictory there. Kind of interestingly, right? So how do you go and provide for privacy uh, in a world where, you know, you, you weren't quite sure about what you were going to post up there, or somebody else posted it about you, and what happens if you want that gone? If, um, if there's copyright issues or if there's privacy issues, people write to us, info at archive.org, and we deal with it. And in general, if it's a private citizen, it comes down. If it's their website and they don't want it up there, it wasn't meant for the ages, we just take it down. So the, the GDPR thing in, in, uh, in Europe, um, is really mostly directed at the search engines, where you type in your name and it comes up in context that you're not that uh, interested in seeing it. And the Internet Archive isn't quite that kind of a thing, so it doesn't hit us quite as much except when people have blogs or, or things, and we just take them down. We're starting to look at some times when people are asking us to take it down and they're public figures. Mm -hmm. um, so they're now in power, and we're starting to basically say no. Um, that it's uh, that actually your past is too important to just take out of the wayback um, machine. Um, we work very um, so. It's a balance. Uh, we're trying the best we can. We do it in an open process. There's a open uh, open the Oakland Archives um, policy that we've helped stir up based on the Scientologists trying to get things taken down that were critical of them, um, and that sort of generated policies that we've been living by, but adapting with over time. Um, the other question is, is how do we go and try to maintain some integrity for the Internet Archive? Um, well, we have uh, uh, servers here. We try to um, uh, keep with checksums. We try to re uh, record those checksums so you can go back to see somewhat to, uh, can you go and change these things. We have a partial copy in Canada, a partial copy in, in Amsterdam, and a partial copy in Alexandria, Egypt. Really? Completely cool. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and, um, but really what we want is full-on full organizations in other places. We tried to start the European Archive, but that you uh, funded that along for about 10 or 15 years, and then uh, it, it petered out. Uh, so we didn't get going enough in, in Europe as an institution. So there's copies other places, um, but it's still uh, not good enough. The Internet Archive is starting to become kind of assumed by uh, journalists and, and such. So actually, it's a good time to be trying to figure this uh, type of thing out, because we don't have to argue that we should exist in the first place. Any other questions? I'll ask one if I don't see any hands. Um, <clears throat> how are you thinking about translation? I'm sorry, excuse me. <coughs> how do you think about making this information accessible across borders? Sure, and the translation technology is doing really actually very uh, very well. We digitize about 1,000 books every day. What we'd like to do is turn all the Wikipedia footnotes blue. We want to basically make it so that if you go to a Wikipedia page, you can go and take a footnote, and you go and say, I want to see more on that, and you click on it, and if it's a book, it opens right to the right page. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So what we want to do is basically digitize everything that is referenced by Wikipedia. We've fixed all the broken links already, which is kind of awesome. Um, and we're trying to go for the journal literature and the books. But then we want it available in all different languages. So how can you do that and not get people so mad to throw copyright lawyers at you? Um, and that's that whole balance. And so we're trying to basically move through this by doing lending and, and, and the like. The big translation thing, I think, is our, uh, a problem. And boy, could we use help with this. There are about 5,000 living languages right now. What would you do now if you wanted to have thousands of living languages in 100 years? Just, just use that, just spend a drive or a shower on that problem, right? Because the number of languages is dropping like species. 
So if you're talking about biodiversity, think of cultural diversity. It's going through the same thing. We're wiping out the village languages. How do we go and make it with our technology such that you want to stay diverse? That if you were a parent of somebody in a small town in Guatemala teaching Quechicel, you're going to go and teach them Quechicel as their primary language uh, and not Spanish. How do we make it that there's not an economic disadvantage to go and speak those languages. One thing I think would be cool is take all of the literature that we've, did, that we've digitized and translate it into Ketchikel. So they'd have the best library ever um, in Ketchikel. Um, so I think that would be kind of neat. Translation technologies um, to, to make it so that um, we keep diversity. We're wiping out diversity with some of our uh, technologies that are very homogene uh, homogeneous um, in language, in cultural context, and the like. How do we go and break out of that mold? We just have half a minute left, so I'll ask, how would you like people to be involved with the Internet Archive if they're not funders? Um, well, if you're funders, you, you know what you should do. Um, but the, uh, so the Internet Archive, we, we, we bought a church uh, in the Richmond District. Visit us. So uh, we have an open lunch every Friday uh, uh, at noon. Um, open, it's, it's as close as we have to a staff meeting. We're trying to lead a radically open organization. So we basically uh, offer lunch, and the guests go around, introduce themselves, staff do as well, then I lead a tour. Um, you'll get at least an idea of what the place is. Please, please do that. Um, if you can fight your way onto our mailing list, it's really hard, um, by making an account on archive.org and figuring out how to check all the boxes. Um, we have events, um, and we're trying, we were one of the early tech nonprofits that were based on infrastructure. So there was uh, uh, Free Software Foundation, there was EFF before us, but we were quite a bit before Wikipedia. We, the idea was to try and to do it in San Francisco was to go and make have.orgs be a real part of the internet infrastructure. If we can be helpful e even outside of our little niche of trying to make a, a library of everything, um, if we can help in any way towards the things that you're trying to think about, we've been at this now for 20 years, which is one of the benefits of a nonprofit is they tend to last a long time um, because they don't get just packaged up and sold. Um, uh, so this is a, a good thing, so we have some perspective. Please leverage us. Thank you very much. Thank you.